Anyway, sorry, you're trying to multitask. My sister-in-law, my sister-in-law is texting me. Um, I failed to go to the my teeth clean the other day. Uh, my teeth are fine. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Conversation on Tap, an exciting podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in Polite Company. My name is Jose. And my name is Jesse. That's right. Once again, we have my brother, Jesse. This is your fourth time? Yeah, time number four. Number four. Um, and this week we will um, do part two of our discussion on driving, and we will be joined by our uncle Ernie. Mm-hmm. Special guest. Special guest. It's a family affair, mm-hmm. and uh, my baby is with us as well. So you'll hear her pounding and crying and making the noises that babies make, etc. But <laughs> um, yeah. she had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. So before we talk about driving. Um, Let's talk about what we have on tap. So I drank the Luponic, the Firestone Luponic, which was really good. I had quite a few of those Luponics, and I was getting pretty, pretty, uh, pretty lit, pretty turned <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah, you can use those words. Go for it. Yeah. You were. Uh, what were you drinking, Jesse? I just had a nice glass of Coca-Cola. Glass of Coca-Cola. Yeah. That's right. That's so classic. Did you know you can like put Coca-Cola on metal as a cleaner? Yeah. Isn't that cool? It cleans my insides. That's right. Just like rust. <laughs> All the rust of your innards. Yes. Well, I am Iron Man. That's true. Oh. Too soon. Too soon. segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Jesse and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be chatterboxes, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I'm going to discuss the first um, printing of the Gutenberg um, printing press. So, just some basic facts. Johannes Gutenberg was born in Germany in approximately... 1399, 1400, and... Um, so he's not that much older than us. He's a little older. Yeah. A few more gray hairs. He um, is known for creating the printing press of movable type. Okay. Um, so they had previously, if you wanted to write something such as a Bible, for example, it would take you years because you would have to write it out by hand. Mm-hmm. And so here he invented the printing press, and he was able to print hundreds or thousands of pages, like, a day. Well, because before you had to do, like, Bart Simpson, and you would get, like, multiple pens with just right. one swipe, and you just write multiple books at once. Exactly. But now you do hundreds of books. It was just a simple machine, right? And, of course, this, this printing press that he invented kicked off the... Um, scientific revolution, kicked off the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, much of, you know, kind of, you know, we take it for granted now that books are just everywhere. Like, we're in my garage right now, and there's tons of books. They've been replaced by, you know, podcasts. I know. Who listens to podcasts? Yeah. But, but these, these books, though, contain so much information, so much knowledge, which previously kind of bottlenecked because of the 
the slow pace of actually handwriting. And of course, back then, they would not only handwrite the text, they would draw these fancy pictures on the margins, right? These mm. beautiful, I guess, medieval borders. Right? That's, that's taking pride in your work. That is, but it takes forever, years at times. So Johannes Gutenberg was able to come up with the printing press, and the very first thing that he printed was the Latin Vulgate um, Bible, which was first written um, in the year, well, approximately the 5th century, 4th, 5th century, by um, one of the early church fathers named Jerome. Yeah, so there you go. So one of the first things that was printed was the Bible. So, and it's one of the most popular books like in the world it's yeah it's i'm pretty sure it's the number one most stolen book which is ironic yes it's like oh i'm in a hotel room i'm taking this bible but i'm leaving behind the book of mormon (laughs) (laughs) oh i would take i would take tickets to go see the book of mormon okay okay so you're gonna take the soap the shampoo the bible and the bible right and get the hell on out of there (laughs) <laughs> Before you have to pay off all your um, the your desks sexy, that you just got that yeah all the sexy shows you watched on the TV. <laughs> what do you have for us today, Jesse? Okay, so for my talk, I'm just going to talk about uh, customer service. So I've been in customer service now for six or seven years, and I feel like I've learned so much on just how to talk to people. It's helped my people skills. It's helped my decision making, my the way I handle situations, whether it's in retail or the food industry, whatever it is, or even like when you deal with property management. You know, I pay rent. I go to my property management, and we have this good relationship just because I'm super friendly with them. Right. Right. And they treat me with that same respect, and so we kind of have understandings, and they talk to me like I'm, I'm a person. It's great to have good customer service skills when you're an employee. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, if you are a customer, right? Okay, I think it's also good to have that decent etiquette, right? So I don't want to dig myself a hole and say, you know, like the customer's wrong because the customer is right in most scenarios. It's just about I feel like you will a hundred percent be right if you just come at me a little bit different, or if you right. go at any employee a little bit different. I, I had this situation not long ago. You know, someone I think. A common thing that happens is pink meat and burgers. Oh, yeah. Not okay? cooked all the way. Not cooked all the way, yeah, because we cook our burgers medium well. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. We cook our burgers medium well. Um, so they come back, hey, my meat's a little pink. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I'll get you a brand new one. That situation happens. It's super quick. Yeah. Hey, I wanted this burger. I want it well done. Can you make that happen for me? Of course. I'll be right back. Get it done from. Now, well done burgers can take a little bit longer, so it's going to take maybe five minutes for me to get you that new burger. But I'll get it out to you. If you if I've seen people come up like up in arms, screaming at my employees, and it's just like, oh man, you know, please stop yelling. Yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> right. But not, not even in situations like that. When I've gone to retail places and I've seen you know the Karens yelling at yeah you know that poor 16 year old making minimum wage. It's like they don't. They're 16. They don't really know what's going on, and they're probably a new hire, especially if it's the holiday season. They're just seasonal. They don't know what's going on. Right. Um. The let me talk to your manager thing that works. But as long, if you're nice to them, they're going to try to figure something out for you. Mm-hmm. Just making sure you have good people skills. I mean, you're, you're a teacher now. Right. But you used to work in customer service. Yeah, so that's funny you mentioned that because when I worked at a store called Walden Books, which no longer exists, <laughs> they had a calendar kiosk in the mall, right? So I would work at Walden Books, and then I would do a shift at the calendar kiosk. Well, 
long story short, this guy bought calendars after New Year's, and the policy was no returns. It's written on the register, no returns. This guy buys a ton of calendars, goes around, comes back, and says, you know what, I don't want these. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. We are not doing returns, sir. I was very apologetic. I was very kind, I suppose, right? I was yeah. trying to be yeah, yeah. gentle, but at the same time asserting the store policy. And this guy well, There's a off. sign there, right? Yes. There's a sign, like, I'm pretty sure you told me this story. There's, there's a sign behind you that said, like, no returns. No returns, period. All sales are final, right? This guy just went off. Well, I wrote a check. Just open up the cash register. I say, like, I can't open the register, sir. I have to have a transaction to open the register. I think people just think like, oh, you just open the register, get the money out, get the check out, whatever. No, no, no. Usually there's a transaction that has to occur yeah. before you can open the register. For safety reasons. Correct. And so he ended up calling the manager, and the manager caved. She gave the guy the check, took back all the returns. I looked like an ass. Yeah. But she's like, you did the right thing. You were, you know, doing very well with customer service. But to me, I carried that on. And actually, when I go out places, and we were, we were discussing this earlier, I actually get free stuff. Me too. Absolutely. Like we were saying, Chipotle, uh, I get ice cream. Like and it's out. not because we're, we're mean, but it's because we're just nice to the people. It's nice to the employees, and we treat them like normal beans. Yeah. You know, you go to some places. I use Walmart as an example. And they're like, how's your day? Mm-hmm. You know, they, they really don't care. No. Right? But if you show interest into someone that's working, right. then they care. Now it's gone from, you know, oh, I could care less about this guy's transaction to, okay, I'm going to be a little nice to this guy. This guy seems pretty cool. Yeah. A simple, when someone asks you an employee says, hi, how are you? Right? Or, hey, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on? And you reply back with nothing or you just don't have anything to say to that person. Right. Then it kind of gets awkward because the person just feels like they're being blown off. It happens, you know what I mean? But trust me, you will get free things if you're nice to people. Absolutely will happen. And I'm not saying, like, you know, I hate customer service and I hate dealing with people. The career path that I've chosen is because I love dealing with customers. I feel like every day is a new challenge for me. And the way that I have to go about, you know, dealing with certain situations and scenarios. And do people come up to me and are they rude and mean? Absolutely. But by the end of the situation... We're on good terms. Mm-hmm. I usually try to end my transactions with a handshake and a smile and let people know, like, whatever just happened to them in the last 10 minutes of their visit or whatever will not happen the next time. Right. Because they have brought something to our attention mm-hmm. so we can move forward into a better place. It's all feedback, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I think, too, like, and this is where I kind of get annoyed with some businesses. They don't teach their employees customer service. But I feel like as a customer, if you come at the employee with you know, I guess your own customer service, mm-hmm. the employee will appreciate it. They feel like you're recognizing their humanity. Yeah. Not absolutely. just like some cog in the wheel of business, but they're a human person who's working here. Yeah. And they will reciprocate that generosity. Exactly. Yeah. Just human decency, people. Come on. Be nice to each other. Be good people. Yeah. So, for the main segment of our show, we have um, my Uncle Ernie here to join us to discuss cars and accidents and tickets, all the fun stuff that goes with driving. We figured that the driving episode, there was just so much to that topic that it could be a two-parter, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, I'm holding my baby, my seventh-month 
seven month old, so you know, you might hear her baby noises. Yeah. Anyway, so when I talked about this last, we talked about um, me having an accident with um, in Lompoc, my car, we hit uh, car goes upside down on Highway One. But what about you guys? Ever had accidents? I'm learning. I've not had an accident. I've driven hundreds of thousands of miles, and uh, I have not had like an accident. But you know, I've I've driven hither and yon over deserts and mountains, um, crossed rivers. I've been stuck, and uh, yeah, I it was. I got a truck stuck on North Edwards Air Force Base in a sand drift, and it took three days to get it out. How does that happen? How does one get stuck in a sand drift? Uh, we call that gaining experience, which means using bad judgment. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I know plenty about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, experience and judgment comes from inexperience and bad judgment. Yeah. And uh, I was um, running parallel at North Edwards Air Force Base. I was at the time I was working on the space shuttle runway and I was trying to get back to Bakersfield and there was a uh, maintenance road under the Southern California Edison power lines and I thought I'll just follow this to Kramer Junction. Makes sense. And oh, absolutely, and eminent sense, eminent sense. And so I was driving along, and I got up on this ridge, and there's this big sand drift, you know. So imagine um, Oceano Dunes, uh-huh. big sand drift out there in the desert. And I thought, oh, I can make that because I can see the asphalt coming out the other end. And I thought, I can make that. Throw it in four high. I hit it hard, and I got about three quarters of the way through. And uh, I just came to a sudden stop. And I realized, okay, I'm like really far from anything. And so uh, I was stuck. And so when I uh, opened the door of the truck, you know, the sand was right there on the bottom of the door. You know, I dug and dug and dug. I tried. And and in those ancient and bygone days, this was probably, I don't know, 1993, 1994, I was very young, I was fit, I was in shorts a lot of times, you know, and I was very dark, I was a very dark-skinned person, so I slammed the door shut, and I walked down the ridge to Highway 395, so in the desert, you get these expansive views, and way out there in the desert is this tiny ribbon of highway, which is US 395. I walked all the way down there. Wow. And I was picked up. Of course, who's going to pick somebody up in the middle of the desert other than an insane person? Uh-huh. So I had an insane person who was on his way to Paso Robles to his grandmother's house. So he, he was probably could, insane too. Yeah, <laughs> he was on his way to get his meds. He told me right up Oh, really? Yeah. His, that his um, mailing address was his grandma's house in Paso Robles. He was on his way to get his meds. And this dude was like insane. But he did give me a, a ride. He dropped me off at Denny's there at um, Highway 178 99 in Bakersfield. Oh my God. And it was so then the next day I go back with a friend of mine because you know I'm afraid of losing my job. Right? Mm-hmm. So this, my supervisor was out of the office. Uh, me and my, me and this other guy who was like always on the verge of losing his job we jump in Joe's truck because Joe's truck had a winch so we take Joe's truck out there we drive out there we can't get it out and so then we go to this diner in Kramer Junction at the junction of US 58 and US 395 and there's this like 
hard-boiled waitress. And the reason I made the mention about, you know, my skin color, because it was it was a very difficult day. I was very worried, you know. Tired. Tired. <laughs> it was a second day of trying to winch this truck out of the sand. And this waitress is on this, like, diatribe about, you know, how Mexicans need to go back to where they come from. Oh, my goodness. And so then as she's, like, reaching over and she makes eye contact with me, she makes eye contact with me and says something about, they need to go back to where they came from. Looking at you. Looking at me. And I'm thinking, but wait, hey. uh, I'm a California Indian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were here before you were. That's right. <laughs> so then, uh, then like the, uh, oh yeah, so that's when we called, we called a guy in the great community of Oron. And uh, he told us he'd meet us out there the next morning. And of course, then uh, the next morning, after about two hours of digging, oh yeah, and classic, just like, uh, just like a, um, the movies, the the vacation movies, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. mentioned that last yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. remember, you know, you must have. Chase. Yeah, Chevy Chase. There the tow truck driver shows up and says, "You must have for brains." <laughs> remember that? Yeah. And so then uh, with the family truckster, and so the tow truck driver, because I I'm on the phone with him the day previous, the second day too, and I'm telling him, "Oh yeah, I'm stuck on this road here. I'm underneath the power line." He goes, "I know where you're at." And I don't believe him, and I'm telling him, oh, no, well, you know, I'm right here. Why don't we meet? And the guy goes, no, no, no. When I was in high school, we used to drink beer there all the time. So I know he know. I know he's telling the You're truth. You're uh, very reassuring. Yes, sir. Yes, Thank you. absolutely. I know he's telling the truth. And so then that's when we go back, and, of course, we met him. We were there first, but he showed up. But he doesn't show up with the tow truck. He shows up with the pickup truck or the winch. And so, were you there with the pickup truck and a winch? I was there with the pickup truck and a winch. <laughs> and of course, the truck that I have that's stuck in the sand has a winch. And Perfect. so then, and of course, we were there. Uh, and the guy says, "Oh well, let's uh, let's winch off on this Edison power stanchion." So we, you know, I pulled, uh, I disengaged the winch. We pull a bunch of winch cable out. Go to winch it in. It's too much for the cable. The cable snaps. Well, this, at least you have two other winches to try. I know. <laughs> and so then this guy, being the genius that he is, he says, look, man, that winch is junk, and I wouldn't have it on my truck. He says, this is what we're going to do. So he takes, like, a couple of hose clamps, like radiator yeah. hose clamps, and we make a square knot in my winch cable. And, and as I look at that, as we're tightening it down, it says, you know, when you suck this into my winch drum, I'm not going to get it out. He goes, I know. And, but I was so desperate to get yeah. that truck out. So then, of course, we suck it in there. We got a couple of other winches working on it. We we let a bunch of the air out of the tires. We, let, we finally got it. I was just so glad. I was just so glad. And then he says, okay, look, you need to go straight to 395. And, of course, any Southern Californian who's driven on Highway 395 knows that, like, 85 miles an hour is the minimum speed yeah. on this two well, that's, right. that's anywhere in California. Yeah. Sure. Well, People that, come from <laughs> out of California and they do 80 in our freeway and we're zooming by them like, get out of the get fast lane. <laughs> so there I am. I got these tires. I'm doing about 30 miles an hour oh, because no. when your tires are really deflated, they'll yeah. overheat, you know? So I'm like, poke 
poking along on the shoulder. There's like every piece of glass, every piece of fragmented metal. And I'm thinking, please, dear God, please, dear God, please, dear God, just oh. get me to Kramer Junction. And so then we get to the place, we get to this gas station in Kramer Junction. And that's where there's, there's all these like junk cars. And there was a burned up motorhome at the time. Everything that didn't make it through the dumps, through the desert, gets like left at Kramer yeah. Junction. Like a junkyard junction. We'll have to go there and see it. Yeah, you will have to go there and see it, you yeah, know. And so then, of course, I aired up my tires. And while I'm airing up my tires, this guy in a motorhome pulls up. And he leans out his window. Because I obviously I look like a real desert rat. And the guy leans out his window and he asks me, do you have any hose clamps? Yeah. And I looked at him and I laughed. And I go, no. Well, then, of course, now the guy wants to know, why are you laughing? And uh -huh. I said, no, just forget it. Forget it. I don't have any hose clamps. And then, like, within days, another guy asked me, do you have any hose clamps? So for me... And the idiot that I was with, this yeah. guy Michael, hose clamps was our code word for everything. Yeah, hose clamps. <laughs> <laughs> There's some beautiful hose clamps right there. Uh, I know. Yeah. Have you got any hose clamps, buddy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about you, Jesse? Any accidents in your uh, history? Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> I've personally never been driving and cause an accident or anything like that, but I've been in the vehicle for some accidents before. I remember my first day of junior high, first day of seventh grade, so that was 2007. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and it was... Wow. I remember I came home and I told my dad, hey, you know, I got a, a list of all the things I need to go get, and he, my dad was... He's awesome. He was the dad that was like... We're going to the Office Depot right now, you know? Like, I'm going to buy you everything you need for that class. Not the dollar store? And then, no. And we would ne I would never use any of the crap that we bought. I just liked having it all, you know? <laughs> By the time my school career ended when I was in high school, I was that kid that showed up with the backpack that had one binder, and I never had a pencil for myself. Poor Shane. Every class was, hey, can I borrow a pencil? And then I'd, I'd give it back every class. And then by the time it was graduation, I think I only was showing up with, like, my binder. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. Well, I was a TA in two classes, so I didn't need to take notes. You're the man. Yeah, I was yeah. just sitting there, and I was like, oh, whatever. This is cool. Um, but that first day, I remember Grandma used to always call Blosser the um, uninsured highway. Oh, yeah. And uh, me and my dad, we love driving on Blockster because it connects you to all of Santa Maria pretty much. You just have to know where to get off. And um, we are just about to turn on to Blosser, and this car comes flying. This little Honda Civic is flying down the road. And my dad's like, he better not turn. He better not turn. And then you just see this guy, and my dad's like, oh, sh hold on. <laughs> And this, he just flies right into the front of my dad's truck. And wow. He, yeah, he gets... Wow. It totally wrecked that guy's car. And so me and my dad are assuming, like, okay, this guy's going to get out. You know, we're going to do the, ins the insurance swap and all that stuff. Yeah. He's going to run. And he drives away. <laughs> he drives away. Wow. And my dad is, like, giving chase to this car. <laughs> With his jacked up front end. Yes. Well, the Honda is jacked up. My dad was driving a truck. Right. So the truck is fine. And um, it was just so frustrating because my dad was on the phone with the police department chasing the car and he's giving the description of the license plate and the make and model and the driver of the vehicle and the streets we're on and the intersection he's just going down the list of everything you can tell the person wow. and I start having a panic attack because it was so like 
out of my daily norm. First ever car crash, and I turned it into a police chase. <laughs> um, and the dispatcher heard me like having this panic attack, like heard me having trouble breathing, and was like, "Is that someone else in the car?" And they, you know, and my dad was like, "Yeah, it's my son. Like, you know, he's fine. He's fine." You know, those typical dad response. You know, he's fine. We. Um, Get told to pull over, paramedics check me out, all this stuff. And wow. Yeah, finally, um, they like ran those plates, found out the plates were stolen, they weren't oh. supposed to be on that car. And oh. So that was fun. Yeah, no wonder he didn't stop to do the sweat. Yeah. Swap. He probably didn't have insurance. <laughs> no. wasn't, it probably wasn't his car, it wasn't his plate. Right, yeah. so everything that could go wrong for that guy was going wrong that day. And then, um, what other car accident did I get into? My friend was giving me a ride to school one day. His parents picked us up, and it was right off of... It's like if you're going towards Pioneer Valley, the high school, okay? And then you're going over the overpass on Donovan. Oh, okay, and it's right there, right by the shortstop. Uh, oh, yeah. Store, okay? Yeah, good old shortstop. So it's right there, and if you know anything about that road, left lane goes straight, right lane has to merge. Oh, yeah. You have to merge if you want to continue to go straight. So in the mornings, it is just... Gridlock. It's so bad there. So, well, no one told the person coming up behind us to not go 60 miles an hour down the overpass. <laughs> and they fly right into the back of my friend's mom's SUV. And nothing really happened to her car, but that Honda was jacked <laughs> up. <laughs> Rear-ended your, mo- your friend's mama's uh, SUV. SUV. It was horrible. I felt so bad for them. Um, and I think that's the only two accidents I've ever been in. I feel like I've been in another. Maybe I'm just too traumatized to remember the third one. <laughs> I mean, I've always been killed by my wife's driving, but that's another topic. <laughs> well, I, you know, I had that accident on Highway 1 coming back from the, from uh, Lompoc. But I had another accident going south. I was going to Oxnard to visit my dad, actually. And I was going through the Gaviota Pass. Oh, Gaviota. Mm-hmm. And you know how it kind of snakes? Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with that. I take that drive every day to work. There you go. <laughs> and it was early morning. And I don't know if... It's right there by the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that there was enough wind coming through there. Oh, yeah. But I, my little Honda Civic... Who I named Vern. Those damn Honda Civics. No way. You named your car? My car was named Vern. Like, you know, on those Ernest movies. (laughs) Vern. Vern. You know what I mean, Vern? Yeah. And then freaking hot gust of wind going through that little S Mm -hmm. snake path. And my car fishtailed and I slammed into that center median. Mm -hmm. The wall, retaining wall. And it was like slow motion. That's what I hear. Stepping on a Coke can. My car just like compressed, and the Sick. whole front end came in. And I'm a really lazy driver, so my left leg was kind of hiked up, you know. Oh yeah, that's me. All and the time. it just like All slammed time. into my left leg. When you do that, you defeat the <laughs> the the, uh, the occupant safety system. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> human error, as it's called. And so yeah, that jacked up my leg, and then the steering wheel, because the whole front end came in. Hit my chest, and I actually had like a little round bruise, like a. Oh yeah, sick. you were like, like branded. Steering wheel, like you were in a frat. <laughs> branded. Yeah. branded badass. No, branded stupid. So, um, yeah, I was able to get my car off to this to the right shoulder, barely. As all these cars are zipping by, thank God it didn't hit anyone else. Yeah, you know it's amazing. It's amazing how many people just like mm-hmm. whip around you and keep going. <laughs> It's California. I got, pla- I got places to go. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. I got people to see. I know. Things I want to pick up my son's kid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but 
and so yeah, I totally just was able to get safely off to the you know right shoulder, and then so once I'm off the road, I get out, I, I survey the damage as though there's anything I can possibly do. Yeah, like, like, I'll like buff it out. Yeah, I'll buff right out. Yeah. Like it's an accordion I can just undo. <laughs> no, it, it was beyond fair. Like Joe Dirt. I should have buffed out. So um, I'm surveying the damage, and like there's nothing I can do. This is before like the advent of the cellular phone. Yo, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. those ancient days. Yes. <laughs> 2006, horrible so, time. I know. <laughs> this had to be like, this was more like 2003, 2004, actually. <laughs> and so I'm like, well. So I just, I literally just climb on top of my car. I'm sitting on the, the, what was the, um, <laughs> hood of yeah. my car and I'm just waiting. And of course, eventually it's, what else are you going to do? Exactly. <laughs> waiting for Godot, <laughs> waiting for the CHP. And eventually they showed up and as, as happened to me before, the CHP officer was like, well, I can call a tow truck. Do you need me to send for an EMT? Do you need a hospital? Medical assistance. Medical assistance? Nah, I'm fine. Good. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, unbeknownst to me, I was in what's called shock. Oh. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So I was seriously injured and didn't feel any pain whatsoever. That's right. I was fine. When the adrenaline wears off. So he sends for a tow truck driver. He comes, gets my car. I sell it for parts for I get 90 bucks for Vern. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It was awesome. I $90. So down payment. So I, not, well, for a responsible adult, it would be down payment. But for me, I get on the... Phone at the uh, junkyard in Bealton. Okay, so what was I saying? I'm forgetting where I was. Uh, you were at sitting on the hood of the car and then ninety dollars <laughs> in Bealton. Reminds me of uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Finish the f- story. <laughs> So I end up at the junkyard in Bealton. Yes, yes. And I end up calling my buddy Philip. Oh, Philip, who lives like two doors down from me now. I said, "Hey, dude, I had a car accident. Come pick me up." And he's like, "Oh, dude, he's he's you can tell in his voice that he's worried about me." Mm-hmm. And I'm totally adrenaline shocks. You're like, "No, I'm fine. Not a problem. Come get me. I'm in Bealton. My car is totally just destroyed. Just but whatever. Yeah. Come get me. Pick me up already. It's my only vehicle." <laughs> So he comes and picks me up, and I'm like, dude, I got $90. Let's go get a drink. I'm like, let's go antiquing. (laughs) So we go to all the thrift stores we can in the area. We go to, you know, Bealton and back to Santa Maria. We're buying all kinds of stuff. I get home in the evening, and I'm like, man, my leg is really hurting. I pull my pants down. My knee is the size of a basketball. (laughs) It is swollen. Um, yeah, I can deal with the emergency room because I'm seriously damaged. <laughs> so we go to the ER. It takes hours. I have my, my leg x-rayed. Um, yeah, this, like, 90-year-old man, by the way, was pushing me in the wheelchair to the room to be x-rayed. And I'm trying to be funny. And I'm, like, <laughs> in pain. And I'm like, you know, really, I should be pushing you in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go over well. But I'm bop. Yeah. And I'm getting on the table, you know, the extra table, and I lean all sexy like the art of seduction. Like George. Like George. <laughs> Wasn't going over well. Like, so I didn't really break anything. I just had some 
swelling. Like really bad. Yeah. Things. Right. Yeah. So my crutches, no vehicle. I'm a Hancock student living over with, with grandma at the time. <laughs> and so I end up walking to school the next day. Oh, yeah. That's good for abs and core muscles. It is. So I'm like on these, <laughs> on these crutches walking down college towards Hancock College. And, um, yeah, thankfully some dude noticed me. He went to my church, and he's like, hey, jump in. And I'm like, sure, this blows. It was the same guy that picked up the <laughs> to go to Paso Robles. He's like, you guys like... You <laughs> <laughs> have hose clamps. Same guy. <laughs> uh, I got to pick up my meds. Um, <laughs> so I throw my crutches in there. He drives me to school. And I was in Mr. Hall's history class. Oh, good old Mr. Hall. Yes, I have Mr. Hall, too. Yeah, Mr. Hall's awesome. And I was looking, I was like, where's my girlfriend? Because I was dating this gal at the time. She was awesome. She had one of these, like, she had done this thing to where she had, like, a corset. Like, all the <laughs> hooks in her back and, like, the ribbon between oh. the hooks. Because mm-hmm. she was cool like that. Well. Was that the same girlfriend that became a lesbian? You beat me to the punch. Oh, I did. She was waiting for me after class. I come out. I'm like, where were you? Like, and she saw that I was on crutches and started crying. Oh. And I was like, I was like. You scored. I was like, dude, like, I, I had a car accident. I'm like, my knee's all jacked up on my crutches. Where were you? And she's like, oh, I was waiting for you to get out of class. I just, and she's crying because she sees that I'm on crutches and my day's already going really badly. <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry, but we have to break up. I'm like, what? You're breaking up with me? And it turns out that she was a lesbian. And, uh, yeah. She was already kind of seeing her friend, her best friend. They were together. And so, yeah, that's the, that's the end of that whole story. <laughs> lost my car, lost my girl, lost my dignity. <laughs> But you and did get $90. I did get $90. But like George Costanza, your girlfriend became a lesbian. She, exactly. <laughs> I feel like she reached the pinnacle of manhood. <laughs> it was all down She know nowhere else from that point. But then you, do, you lack a Kramer character who brings them back. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, when I was just living right down the street, do you remember when I, when I valiantly saved the woman from the flaming car? No. Oh, yeah. I don't so, when, um, let's see, it, this probably was 2010 or so. Uh-huh. I was living right down the street there at the corner. Um, I was in there chopping up vegetables, and everybody else was in the living room. Yes, you do. Yeah, I was chopping up vegetables, making something good. I was probably getting ready to go into the walk with something Ooh. new I love. I was really in my stir-fry phase at that time, I'm chopping up my vegetables on there. And apparently there was some stand-up comic who had a similar routine. I think that's Dane Cook. So I was chopping up vegetables, <laughs> and you could hear something. I could hear this, like, boom, outside. Yeah. And then, of course, like, Sherilyn and Lane Megan, they go yes. running outside. Yeah, hands together. And, and so they go running outside, and I could hear all kinds of screaming and yelling, and I thought, what in the... Oh, yeah. So I put my, my favorite knife down. I go walk out there. <laughs> you guys are ruining my stir fry. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the and then I see this like there's like people because like you know some of the people are living over there in the greenhouses and everything that are out there those green apartments. And so I go running out there and this car that has slammed into the ass end of this SUV so hard it's pushed the SUV up into the intersection. The the SUV owner has run out of the apartment yelling, that's my car, that's my car. It's one of the few things he can say in English, I think. And so he's, you know, that's my car, that's my car. And the engine is just like revving away. I can see the motor 
motorist, the, the driver is still behind the driver's wheel, and I'm thinking, uh, and I'm asking, has someone called 911? This is a fundamental question. Has someone called 911? But it doesn't appear that nobody's answering. I might as well be invisible. Yeah. Might as well be invisible and mm-hmm. no noise. And so then all of a sudden, the, yes, it was that funny. And so then the engine ignites. The engine ignites and there's fire coming up from underneath the tire wells, coming up from under the engine hood. And I see, now I can see by the glowing light of the fire, there's a woman behind the steering wheel of the car. Nice. And then everybody, and of course the crowd has magnified, you know, because there's more and more people coming. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, is no one going to help this woman? You know, regardless of whether it's her fault, there's a human life at stake. And so I push my way through the crowd. I run up to the car. And you will often hear that in a car crash, you can't get car doors open. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here to tell you it's true. So when I pulled on the door, the door would not open. And I'm pulling on the door. And the, and the engine is just revving away, you know, and the, and the thing's on fire. And there's and burning, burning plastic. And, you know, it really smells bad. Burning plastic. That's how you know it was an American-made. <laughs> yeah. So then finally... I'm able to, like, the door wedges open, and this woman is, like, semi-conscious behind the steering wheel. And I'm asking the woman, can you get out? Can you get out? Do you need help? And Because I've taken too many first aid classes, mm-hmm. you know? And so then I reach in there, and I'm trying to unbuckle her. Oh, yeah. So I throw the car in the park. I grab the shifter lever and I throw it in the park. Well, she brings it back down to drive. She's like, I have to go. I know, yeah. And I throw it in the park and I tell her something like, you know, honey, you're not going anywhere. And so I reach over and I undo her seatbelt and I unbuckle her seatbelt. And, you know, the fire is just like really growing. And, I'm, and, of course, this was all maybe like, in what, 15 seconds or so, you know, but it seemed like a lifetime. Yeah. And so ultimately, I put one arm under her knees, the other arm like around her shoulders. I grab her in the armpit, and then I just kind of like roll her back, and then I stand up, and there's this like all I can see is just all this fire and smoke, and I'm thinking, I I have to say because I can't take anything seriously, not even a life and death situation, and I'm thinking I'm a hero. <laughs> And I want to laugh because I'm thinking, I'm a hero. And so I turn around and I head to the sidewalk and I lay this woman down on the sidewalk. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, because she was like, she had to get up. And I was thinking maybe she's got to puke, you know, because oftentimes. And then actually, the cops show up and this guy, I don't know, you know, Officer Lopez or whatever his name is. And he's asking me about the woman. Do you know her? No, I have no idea who she is, man. I just pulled her out of a flaming car. I'm a hero. I'm a hero. And I said that. I said something like that. Excuse me, sir. I'm the hero that saved that man. (laughs) And, of course, the cop sees no humor in it whatsoever. But I was thinking, you know, this is my my time. Because I had already received the second highest civilian award issued to federal employees. Because I found that dude up in the San Inez Mountains, the car crash victim. Oh, wow. And I had, I had helped rescue him. And so the, I had to go to Menlo Park, which is Western Region Headquarters for U.S. Geological Survey. And I was awarded the second highest civilian award the federal government issues to civilians. Nice. So I was thinking to myself, this is a great year. 
And, and of course, then I was thinking of Larry David because remember when Larry was wearing the cape? Yes. And I was thinking to myself, I need a cape. <laughs> but no one was seeing my point of the humor. No one was seeing my side of the humor's point. It's okay. We see it. We see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you, Officer Lopez, he can go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had pulled that woman from the burning car. And then when I went to work and I tried to tell them, I saved a woman from a burning car. And they were telling me, oh, it doesn't count because you weren't on time. You that's weren't right. on the clock. Like, oh, well, that's like, okay, so I was telling the story the previous week about how I saved these two guys who had uh, flipped their car and I hit Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where was that now? That was on how he won coming back from Lubbock. Oh. And um, I didn't get an award. But I did <laughs> see those guys at Denny's. <laughs> nice. And not only did I see them at Denny's, but they turned out to be friends of my sister, Lizzie. Oh, really? Like, oh, you're, you're Lizzie's brother? Then one of the guys was like, dude, these are the pants that I was wearing in that accident. And they were all... I would out. never wear those pants again. I know. I would he never was, wear those He was pants. wearing them. They're definitely... I'm a little stitious. Yeah. Little stitious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little... Sti- yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was cool. I didn't, I didn't get an award, but they were like, dude, you're so badass. You saved our lives. And I'm like... Wait, so you saw them at Denny's. Yeah. Did they buy your Denny's? They did not. Yeah, you know. They did not. They did not. Oh. They were I would have sued them for defamation or something. How thankful can you be? I'm you don't buy dude's food. Yeah. Exactly. So then we can talk about tickets. Okay. Okay, so. Go for it. I've personally never gotten a ticket. I've only been pulled over once, knock on wood. Um, I got pulled over. This was in, oh, man, what was this? This was like 2017 or, yeah, 2017. Oh, way back then. Yeah, you know, way back in the day. <laughs> I had just gotten, I just left the tent shop. Uh, for my wife's car. We got her windows oh, tinted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my brother Daniel got me the hookup with this guy, and he was able to get us a really nice deal, and yada, yada, yada. I am leaving said place, pick up wife, and now I am going to a sushi place in town to meet up with Jose and his wife. Because uh-huh. we're just going to have brother you know, dinner and all this stuff. On the way there... I am crossing Stoll and what is that? Is it Maine? I think it's Maine. Yeah. No, 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 Miller. Miller, I'm sorry. Oh. Stoll and Miller. Okay, I'm right there. That's another equally bad So I am, I'm going to cross Stoll. I'm on Miller. And I'm going and I'm going and there's this car to my right and that's another one of those spots where like, if you want to go straight, you got you to gotta get in the left lane. And I was like, I am not letting this guy who just cut me off go straight. So I am hauling it. And she's like, no, like, the, the light's going to turn red. And I was like, no, it's not. It's, it's green. It's green. And then we're getting closer, and it turns yellow. And I'm already going too fast to stop. If I stop, I'm going to be in the middle of the intersection. And I was like, whatever. I'm just going to go. And I, I go. And the light turns red. And I was like, ah, you know, and I was like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, no harm, no foul, everyone's okay. And she's like, there's a cop. <laughs> and there, lo and behold, is a cop just sitting there at the front of the pack, you know, waiting to go. And I was like, oh, please. Just be cool. I was like, please, yeah, be cool, be cool. Please don't turn on your lights. And, you know, he makes his left turn, you know. He happens to get right behind me. There's no lights on. I was like, oh, perfect. Like, I must have really got the yellow light. This is awesome. We get... Three more feet, and he turns lights and sirens on me, and I was like, "Oh no!" And it's right next to um, is that what's that? Is it's Miller? 
The elementary school. Yeah, Miller School. M- Miller Elementary. I am a Miller School alumnus. And I turn into that little parking lot, you know, and I, I watch so many YouTubers that are cops. And I take all these tips that they say, like, hey, if you ever get pulled over, these are the easiest ways to make a cop feel safe. That's what you want to do, so that way you don't get shot. <laughs> so I roll my windows down. I turn on my cab lights. Turn I, off. I turn off the music. car. Yeah, my <laughs> horrible rap music. I turn the car off. I put the keys on the dashboard. Everything that I can do to make sure you know <laughs> hands at ten and two. And the cop comes up, and he's just like, he's a sergeant. I remember that he's a sergeant because he got like the the SUV type of car. He didn't okay. have like a patrol car. And he comes up and he's like, hey, you know, how you doing tonight? Oh, I'm a good officer. And he's like, you know why I pulled you over? And I was like, yeah, I, was, I, I ran that red light. And he's like, yeah. and I, I said something like, I was going to let that I, bitch I was, in front of me. I was like, I, I was a little late on that light. And he goes, oh, you were a lot of late. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're right, you're right. I was like, it was stupid on my part. And he's like, yeah. And he, what does he say? He goes, well, um, and remember, it's, it's late at this point. It's like 8 o'clock. So I'm assuming he was at a shift change. Uh, I'm assuming he's at end of watch and he's trying to go right. to the station. He doesn't, he doesn't want to start new paperwork. He doesn't want new paperwork. And so he just goes, <laughs> well, I've already, he's like, the only reason why I'm pulling you over is because you run that red light in front of everyone. <sighs> and if I didn't pull you over, oh yeah, people are going to start calling my boss and then yep. ask why I'm not pulling them yep. over. Yep. So I'm going to let you off with a warning. Have a nice night, guys. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Gets in his car, drives off. Yeah. And my wife was like, you are so the luckiest person I know. Wow. And I was like, I don't know how I do it. I really don't. Because she always gives me a hard time for being so polite with people. And Jose has this issue, too. I do. We, I'll go to places, and they just give me free stuff. Yeah. Like, I used to go to Chipotle three times a week because uh, they would give me my, my meal for free. Oh, me too. Wow. I would literally go in and I'd be like, hey, guys, how's it going? You know, can I get yada, yada, yada? You know, from working with In-N-Out, I have learned just customer service, how to talk right. to people, how to do all these things. And, and this, I just say, hey, how's it going, guys? And they're just, like, giving me free stuff, tossing it at me. <laughs> she gets so mad because she goes, I'm nice to people. I, I ask them how their day is. And I do all these things. And they mess up my order. She's say, like, no. you order it. And all you say is, hey, guys. And they're like, oh, here's a free drink. Here's a free yeah. soda, you know. They can tell you're one of mm-hmm. the peeps. Yeah, yeah they can tell but, I'm in customer service. Remember at uh, Daniel's, our brother's wedding? Yes. Um, we were walking to Foster's Freeze, and I'm telling my oh. sister, like, Foster's Freeze and Slow. Yes. I used to love that place. It's so good. Yes. But unfortunately, I'm, it's I'm gone. telling gone. Lizzie, that's gone. I'm telling Lizzie, like, I get free stuff all the time because I'm so nice <laughs> to people. And it's like, no, you don't. Blah, blah, blah. We get to Foster's Freeze, no sh- I got free ice cream. Yeah. yeah. I that. The girl was like, oh, you know, um, I forgot what ice cream you got. And she was just like, oh, it's on the house. Like, you can have it for free. Yeah. And we're just like, all right. I just, made, like, uh, 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 I just looked at my sister like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but that was my look. Maybe it was just because I was just super polite to the comp. Maybe it was just the end of watch. And he didn't want more paperwork. Whatever right. it is. A combination. I was able to pass that test there with that comp. Nice. So. Yeah, back in the day, you know, I, I worked a lot, lot, a lot in the Central Valley, you know, and I've watched all these Central Valley cities grow. Mm. And so, like, back in the early 1990s, maybe 1992, 93, I used to go up Highway 99 because I was living in Bakersfield at the time. So I'd leave Bakersfield, go up 99, get to Fresno, I'd get off at Shaw. 
and right there by Fresno State campus, you know, uh, which at that time was the end of town. Mm. Uh, the town ended pretty much at the east side of Fresno State. And so I was running late on this particular day. You know, I got to work at about three in the morning, you know, and I hit the road. Uh, I get off at Shaw, you know, yeah. and, and so if I'm in Fresno and it's like five thirty six o'clock in the morning, you know, when I get to the, because I was racing to catch a helicopter, you know, and a helicopter oh. cost, helicopter cost about a thousand dollars an hour. Wow. And so I am now in a situation where I need to hurry because I don't want any complaints. I didn't know the man that I was working with well enough. Right. Um, I, I learned to know him better later and we took life at a different pace. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm getting to Shaw and there's a Barstow Avenue and the railroad tracks. And so, you know, as I hit the east end of Fresno, man, I just opened it up on Shaw Avenue because Shaw Avenue goes all the way out to, I think that's Toll House Road. And so I'm giving it hell. Well, they were doing a bunch of new development out there and son of man I'm going along and there's a like a brand new shopping center here mm -hmm. and as I'm hauling ass I get this momentary like peripheral vision view of the Fresno PD motor cop oh man <laughs> wow and so like you say so I, then, you, then you tap the brake a little bit it just makes you look even worse I know, yeah. your brake lights are coming on <laughs> so I let off the accelerator and I check my passenger mirror and sure as man he's like he's like holstered his radar gun and he's like coming in behind me and so i like you know and it's just like a two-lane road through the orchards now because at that time fresno had a lot of fig trees it's tragic what's what's happened with fresno they had some of the most beautiful orchards and gardens you could imagine in fresno and, and so Built over? Gone. Gone. Wow. Auto malls, shopping centers, home developments. Wow. But Fresno was like God's garden. And a lot of that thanks to Armenian immigrants, man. Really? Yeah, Armenian immigrants, yes. Perhaps that's something else we can talk about at a later date. Yeah. So as I back out of it, man, I can see that cop. It's just like, because there's cars behind me, right? And you see that cop, you know, passing this car in pass that car in and now I'm doing like 55 and then he passes the car behind me and like like and that car is like more than happy to, to back out of it and let him in and then his light comes on and I'm thinking dang it you know and I got federal plates too so I pull over and he just like pulls up to the driver's side door he like leans over and he goes hey, classic story you know why I'm pulling you over don't you and I said well you know I may have been going a little fast uh, I'm in kind of a hurry and he goes, how fast do you think you were going? And I said, well, uh, I think I was doing about, you know, 45. And he laughs. <laughs> he wow. laughs and he says, you know, it was a 45-mile-an-hour zone. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, I had you like at 65 in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. So it's 20 over. Come on. Yeah, I know. Why I know. Come on, man. And I, and I says, well, you know, uh, I'm heading up to the PG&E helipad in Albury, you know, and I really need to get there. I said, I still got an hour. I said, I'm going to be late for a helicopter. And the guy, and the guy like, you know, he so disinterested in my story. <laughs> you're a hero in a helicopter. I know, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking to myself, this has got to be impressive. Yeah. So then, and Delma says, yeah, you know, I'm late for a helicopter. I've got, I've got to get up to PG&E, Albury, you know. And he's going, uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I had you at 65 in a 45 yeah. zone. And I'm telling myself, look, man, I said, you know, uh, I, as you can see, I'm driving a U.S. government truck. And I said, I got a big day. I said, I left Bakersfield, you know, and I'm on the... And the guy says, 
do you think you can obey the speed limit till you get there? And I'm talking about, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I certainly can, sir. Yes, I can, sir. And he says, if I let you go, do you think you can do that? And I said, yes, 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 I can, yes, I can. Uh-huh. I swear, I can. And, of course, you know, he says, all right, I'll let you go. And so then I pull off. And, of course, I'm watching him in my mirror yeah, yeah. as he's getting smaller. And he pulls into traffic. And he's following me. I know he's following me. And it's just, like, killing me. So I'm going 55, which is now a snail's pace. Yes, yeah, absolutely. This is the slowest speed you can possibly drive. Right. And I'm thinking. The people behind you hate you. <laughs> yeah. Because no one else can see the motorcycle car yeah. back there. Ooh. So the cars behind me, you know, they're like, because you can see that they're like pulling out to see if there's oncoming traffic. Yeah, because you know, they want to pass you and they don't, they want to know why you're going so slow. Yeah. Like, what the <laughs> f- government? <laughs> no, so this is like, of course, now like Shaw Avenue now is like completely urbanized. But at this time, like in 1993, 1994, you'd see that car come out and there's like one car coming in the distance, yeah. you know. And so they got to pull them behind me. They're, they're hating on me. And so finally, when I see that motorcycle turn around and head back and boom, I just hit it up to Old House to 168 and then beat it up into the foothills, man. It's just like, Jose, one. Oh, my God. All right. So a ticket. I've gotten many tickets. So, <laughs> well, I used to drive much. I'm much. I'm a much better driver now. I'm much more. You know, what used to really make me mad about your driving. Oh, really? Was that you would roll up into the pedestrian crosswalk? Oh, I think I still do that. You know, stop at the first white line. Give the pedestrian, the pedestrian. even if there is no pedestrian, make it your habit. I'm a give that pedestrian. <laughs> give the pedestrian. I know. I need to give them some space. God so wants want. you to give I, the pedestrian. Ooh, you got challenged. I know. That's right. a, that's a rebuke. That is a rebuke. <laughs> so, when I was driving, so I used to drive a lot to, to Lompoc, to Bealton, because I was dating this gal mm-hmm. out there. And um, at one point, we both were taking a speech class at the Hancock campus in Lompoc. And I was late. And so I was driving like a speed demon, probably going 70 on, what was that? What's that free? What's the highway there? 135? 135. Mm-hmm. To Lompoc, the Lompoc campus. And I got pulled over by a CHP officer. And I'm in my mind, I'm, as I'm driving, I'm late, I'm reciting my speech. An excuse, as it were. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm for my no, class. your class. For my class speech. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was like this whole anti-war 9-11 speech. <laughs> and the sad highway patrolman wants to hear that. <laughs> he did. Because as soon as he, he said, well, you know, you're going really fast. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm late to class. And... I have this speech. I'm really nervous, and so I'm practicing as I'm driving. I'm not paying attention. Well, that's like, what they want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm speeding and not paying attention. I know, right? <laughs> so he's like, I will let you go if you tell me your speech. Wow! From memory. Because he's calling you bluff. He is. So I'm doing my speech and thinking, this is a CHP officer, probably conservative. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> probably yes. has a... You know, he voted for W. Probably voted for W. He's got a lot of American flags. The loves. second you brought up what your speech was about, he knew he's going to write you a ticket. Yeah. I, he's I'm, like reaching for his gun. First gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rid the world of one less lip card. <laughs> so I'm giving my speech. I'm mortified because I'm like, this guy probably hates my guts now. And midway through my speech, he's like, that's okay. That's enough. That's enough. He's like, I get it. He's like, I'm going to let you go. Just watch your speed. 
I'm like, oh, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you. I get to class. Class was canceled. Oh! So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I meet up with my girlfriend at the time, and we go to... Oh, speaking of which... I got to call my wife here. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> Class is canceled, so now you figured I'm gonna go then meet up with my girlfriend at the time, and we'll go back to her house and do whatever people do, and um, <laughs> until like two in the morning, and it was pretty common for me to stay late because I lived in Santa Maria. She was in midway between Bealton and Lompoc. Mm-hmm. It was just easier for me to stay as much as I could because it's quite the drive home. Well, two o'clock in the morning or whatever it was, I'm driving home. Now, normally, or sometimes, I would take that highway between Lompoc and Santa Maria, which is where I had my car accident. Mm -hmm. Um, This particular time, I decided to go um, 246 to the 101. Um, okay. Well, going on the 246 into Buellton, apparently, I went. I was going 60 in a 30. Oh, yeah, because when you come to town, you have to slow down. Exactly. And a moron. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't. I continued going 60, <laughs> and I got pulled over by the CHP. Mind you, like not even 10 hours earlier, a CHP officer had pulled me over. Oh, that's right. Yeah. For speeding and let me go. This police officer, this CHP officer, not so much, <laughs> wrote me a ticket. And I'm like, but you don't understand. Like, I went from a 55 and immediately into a 30, and you got me, like, as soon as I, no excuses. And I was like, it's 2 o'clock, there's no one here. I'm, the only, I'm trying to argue with him. No excuse, sir. No excuses. <laughs> I'm this driver. You were violating the law, big league. <laughs> big league. Billions and billions of miles per hour. Exactly. <laughs> so I got a ticket. And I had to freaking go to court. <laughs> yes, and, you did. and I tried to explain it to the judge. I'm like, your honor. He doesn't want to hear that. I was with my girlfriend until 2 o'clock in the morning. There you go. <laughs> and I went from a 55 to a 30. I didn't even see the sign. It was so dark out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not sympathetic. <laughs> Not going to get pushed. <laughs> but, Your Honor, I was just pulled over 10 hours prior to this. <laughs> and they let me go. What's the big issue now? So, technically, I could have had two tickets in one day. The first CHP officer... Awesome. Even though I probably misjudged him. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he loved my speech. I was like, this guy should. He's like, yes. Or he went back to the lo- when he went back to the locker room at the sure. shift change, he had a good laugh at your expense and told the other guys. He's, He's like, like some I made that kid. mother lover. <laughs> yeah. And, and some... I made that stupid kid tell me his speech until I got sick of listening to it. <laughs> stupid libtard. <laughs> I'm going to get my meds now. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I just bought this book called How to Talk to Liberals. <laughs> And other clamps and hoses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, but you know, it's it's easy to speed because there are times where, like, I was coming back from Oregon. I was visiting some friends okay. in Oregon. That's a long drive. Exactly. It was like sixteen hours. Oh yeah. And I was just like over it. California's a big state. Yeah. And I'm like it's going a long state. I was going ninety through a um, minute work area. <laughs> yeah. 
And they're like, it's a 55 or whatever zone. I think at that point, it's, it's that's double federal speeding. <laughs> so my ticket ended up being like... That is. Or it's like, oh, there's like some term. Like, if you're going 90, it's like a felony speeding. Yeah, yeah. That. It's like some yeah. crazy term. Right. So he's yeah. like, I could I could arrest you in an infantry car. Yeah. Instead, I'm writing you like, it was like a $900 ticket. Wow. It was ridiculous. Yeah. No, but officer, I didn't but see officer. the sign. Yeah. Again, I didn't see all the golden signs and all the cones <laughs> that said men working. And exactly. <laughs> I've been driving for eight hours, and I have eight more hours to go. And my grandfather does highway construction and has talked every year about men who are killed in work zones. Exactly. I wasn't. I just didn't notice. I didn't notice these men in their working, orange toiling vests. away to earn a living for their children. Just so I could and cut my trip back. I can. Hour. Uh, you know, jeopardize their very lives. <laughs> but, um, yeah, road trips. Any road trip horror stories? <laughs> horror stories? No, man. I mean, I love driving. I love being on the road. I love being behind the wheel and doing all those different type of things. I, I think that's kind of my downfall with work was because um, I went on the, They're called ride-alongs, and it's when you get to go along with your your main honcho boss type of guy and he was asking me he's like yeah you know like how do you like uh living in santa maria blah 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 i was like oh yeah i like it he's like what do you think about working in other stores you know like santa barbara and atascadero and i was like oh i was like it's fine you know i I love driving you know i mean my dad used to always go driving together and he's like oh okay and here i am a year later commuting to santa barbara every day for work you know and it's like Maybe I do that to myself. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I've learned a lot of things all over this drive. I've seen a lot of different things, road tripping it back and forth to work every day. And for a while, there was pretty nice because I had two other people that lived in Santa Maria that had to do that same commute. Oh. So it was carpooling, carpooling often. And unfortunately, now I'm the only survivor and I'm the only person commuting to Santa Barbara still. But we'll see what happens. I used to always go on uh, road trips with my dad to kind of like the Fresno area up there and different things and just to go visit family or whatever. And it's nice. I like being on the road. Yeah, I do too. But I, I much prefer too. to be behind the steering wheel than I do the passenger. Yeah, you know, I can I can do either way. I can do either way. You know, I like uh, I like jumping in my, well, like I say, for 34 years doing environmental monitoring. And I drove hither and yon. So you're... The office that I would be working in would typically be in the center of my field area. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I was in Salinas, uh, part of the time I'd work from, like, uh, Salinas to South San Francisco. Then I would work from Salinas to Arroyo Grande. And then uh, when I was in Bakersfield, God, Bakersfield, all bets were off. <laughs> I was working from Lompoc to Las Vegas. It was crazy. Because, you know, it was hard for us to keep. A lot of people don't want to do that work. That's why it's hard to find truck drivers. You know, they don't want to do that work. They don't mm-hmm. want to be gone that much. But I grew up with Which is going to be one of the first job industries to be taken over by the robots. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And that's one thing that, like I say, when I, earlier when I was talking about how when I was in college and I was in my petroleum geology class and we were learning that these older oil fields were going to be shut in and my father and all of his friends laughed at me and mocked me. It's not that I knew anything because I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I knew. 
Right. I didn't know. I was what I was learning in class, and they were telling us these old oil fields are going to get shut in because they're not worth what the oil companies want to make. Yeah. <clears throat> oil companies are here to make a profit. They're not here to make friends. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like recently, so like. I just recently lost my job because I couldn't keep up with technology. I'm a college graduate. I worked in science and technology in a state of constant learning Mm -hmm. for 34 years, and I couldn't keep up, and I was shown the door like I was a criminal. What what degree did you get in college? I had a Bachelor of Science in Geology. Okay, so my co-host, Joel, my normal co-host, sorry, Mm -hmm. Jesse. um, I double majored in Burgerology. (laughs) (laughs) But Joel's son, Soren... Just graduated this last weekend from UCSB with a geology degree. Right on. Yeah, I'd like to talk to them. Yeah, awesome. we'll have to do a podcast we with should. them. So then, um, yeah. So I. Um, congratulations, Soren. Yeah. Yeah. Soren. Congratulations, Soren. Yeah. Man, good luck to you. But you know the thing is, is like science can be a very mean and vicious industry. Yeah. There's this whole thing with STEM. Oh, STEM, STEM. Get these kids out there. You know, get them out there and call. STEM can be a very mean discipline, yeah. man. And it, and I can tell you from personal experience, man, it can be very mean. And of course, like I say, I lost a career in yeah. the span of forty-five days. A thirty-four-year career was destroyed. See, with STEM, it, they lack the humanities aspect. Well, not just that, but it, it's a state of constant learning, and it's a state of staying up with technology. Yeah. So they don't even really want you to be. Mm-hmm. And realistically, that's what makes me mad. They don't even want you to be literate and educated and all these things. Right. What they want is a Robotron person right. who can keep up with the latest software revision. Right. The newest so, update. Yes. yes. And that's where I fell down. Now, I know more. I have more human experience with mm-hmm. rivers from mm-hmm. South San Francisco to Riverside, from Lompoc to Las Vegas. I have more human experience with rivers, reservoirs, canals, aqueducts mm-hmm. than anyone else alive, period. And I mean, that's not, I'm not bragging about it. It's a fact. It's a fact, right. And I was like chased out the door. As a criminal. But they know more about technology, so... They know more about technology, (laughs) yes, exactly. And so, uh, 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 anyways, um, so like, oh yeah, like back to the driving thing, uh, the road work thing, you know, where, you know, I'd get... We would have, like here in Santa Maria, our office here in Santa Maria, average endurance of an employee is 18 months. Because, you know, we have to... You're you're asking a college-graduated person to get in the cab of a truck. Yeah. And you're going to drive for hours. And so, like, when I was working in the Central Valley, every night a different town was home. So I would leave here. I might spend the night in Kernville or I might spend the night in Lake Isabella, uh, service that southern San Joaquin mountain area. And then, I, you know, the next two nights would be in, like, Porterville. Then there'd be a night in... Um, Fresno, and then a night in Colinga, and then like 10 o'clock at night, you're back at home. Yeah. And most people who go to college are not accustomed to those kind of working hours. Yeah, brutal. I grew up with a father who, being an oil field truck driver, when I was a kid, he was gone all the time, and he liked it. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be home. Right. Work was his refuge away from this dreadful family that he had. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I grew up with that, and so it was okay with me. But for a lot of younger people, 
Good stuff. They're not okay with that. And yeah. so that when we when we keep darting over here to, you know, like uh, autonomous vehicles and trucking, you know, I heard this, they were interviewing this one programmer, and the programmer was saying, well, what is a truck driver? He's a guy who sits in an easy chair and guides a truck over the road. Oh, and so, yeah. and realistically, you know, like when we went to, uh, when we went to the internet, and so now, of course, those last 15 years or so that ago, I could walk, I would walk in the door sometime between 5.30 and 6 in the morning. The first thing I'd do is log in, and I would look at all the gate, all the stream gauges in my area, mm. and this is unprecedented. It's like virtually going to these places. Yeah. And I could do them all in an hour. There was like, you know, 160 of them or so. Versus actually traveling and going Versus there. Versus actually traveling and, and going that data. I could go there and I could ping each one and look and see what the graph was for the last 24 hours. Wow. Is there a maintenance issue? Is the, Has there been a hydrologic event? And blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, as other people would come into the office, we would confab. And so, okay, man, I, we really need you to get down to Santa Clara. Santa Clara River, Piru, you know, or, or you need to get up to, um, you know, Marble Fork near the Cahuilla. And uh, so, and things have changed. And so now when that programmer was talking about his vision for trucking, mm -hmm. and this is the real danger. As soon as the first big trucking company does it, yeah. they set the bar. They do. Everyone else has to meet it. But the programmer... Who's there talking? Yeah, and he's saying yes because you know we drive cars on Mars. We drive cars on Mars with no man. human beings. Yeah. With no human <laughs> beings, so we can definitely put a truck on the five. Well, that's because there's no other drivers on the road. On <clears throat> I know. Oh yeah. <laughs> but the guy's pointing out, you'll have more control over a robotic vehicle because it has a right. motor for every axle. Or you could even just do like. A lane specifically for motorized trucks. That's exactly one of the other things they're talking about. And that way you avoid the human element. Yeah, everybody gets to pass them because they're doing 45 or 50. Right. But the thing is, the guy points out, you'll have a motor on every wheel, on every axle. It gives you greater control. Mm -hmm. You'll have one guy who comes in, throws himself, and he'll be monitoring a dozen trucks. Yeah. There's no human being in any one of those trucks, but he's there with a mouse and a keyboard, right. and he's monitoring a dozen trucks. And it doesn't mean that, so like, whereas Daniel doesn't fit in that mold, what it means is a, su uh, a superfluous amount of labor. Yeah. So there's way more unemployed truck drivers, and so now you end up with a situation where you have too much truck driving labor. Right. And so now Daniel's going to go from making, you know, $72,000 a year. His boss tells him, well, I got to let you. That guy, you, you can't make more than sixty-five this year. Right. And next year it's going to be, well, I can't let me, 57 is all I can let you have this yeah. year. And then it'll be down to, oh, matter of fact, I just talked to a guy the other day. Works for a local oil company. They don't let their truck drivers work more than 40 hours a day a week. So they're part-time. Well, that's what you would think. Technically part-time or no? Technically part-time. I guess that's what you would say. But I, I was like, four. I said, you know, my old man was a truck driver in the oil fields, and he would work 60, 80 hours a week. Yeah. The guy goes, no. He says, this company only allows their drivers to work 40 hours a week. Wow. So, like, Monday through Wednesday, you're done. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you hit 40 hours on Wednesday, you're done. You bring it back to the yard, somebody else picks it up, you know, Wednesday night through Saturday. And well, 40 hours is, uh, is full-time. Yeah, 
Yeah. 40 hours, but that's barely full time. But if where you, I work, yeah. if you work 35 hours, it's uh, full time. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. That's 35. So 40, you're looking at good hours. And then plus benefits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what people don't want to pay. People don't want to pay benefits. So they pay like thirty-four hours or whatever. Yeah, right. they want to keep that average down. Yeah. yeah. So this this guy was telling me these truck drivers, and I was thinking to myself, truck drivers, and they've been mm-hmm. notorious for long hours. This guy's saying the company he works for, they won't let their drivers work more than forty. That's crazy. And there again, you want to talk about a dwindling American middle class? Yeah. There you go. Dwindling him. So here's a guy who has a high school education, you know, no particular other thing going for him other than he's willing to work hard. Right. Well, that's what used to get guys along. But Trump will bring those jobs back, <laughs> like the coal jobs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there, there was another, because, you know, as a geologist, my that, that was perking up. I knew that was utter b- when he yeah. started that. And uh, early on, they were interviewing this nice lady from the American Coal Producers Association. And she's assuring us, yes, we have thousands of Americans who are willing to go to work right now. They'll, they'll go to work today. I could call them now and they'll be at work. However, this imaginary right. economy... She didn't put it that way. Of course, she's, she's going to kiss Donald Trump's ass. Mm-hmm. But she's saying... you. Yeah, there just is no jobs. Right. There are no jobs. Because Donald Trump would say, we're going to bring back Clint Hall and everybody will clap. Woo! Yeah. Clint Hall. Well, you know, there's so much natural gas available, but it's depressing the, cli- the price of coal. You can't even start working right, right. and think that you're going to make a profit. It's Because of, there's so much natural gas. Thanks to fracking. Yeah. And so, you know, fracking has brought so much natural gas on the market. Um, And then, of course, natural gas being like the industry leader, then it's quickly followed by petroleum. Yeah, yeah. And then coal down at the bottom. There's no, no, no. It's, you don't, it's not politics. It's the economy, stupid. Exactly. (laughs) It's, you know, no. And how are you going to have health insurance for all Uh of these people? Who are inhaling and breathing? They're exposed to coal all the time. Mm-hmm. We already oh, yeah. have those people, and they're being denied access I know, yeah. to health Black insurance. Lung people, yeah. well, they're just dead because they worked thirty uh-huh. years in the coal mines. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. But... So as we wrap up here, I just want to ask everyone: like, what's one piece of advice you have for drivers on the road to be safe? Pay attention. <laughs> it's as easy as that. <laughs> Pay attention. You could be the best driver in the world, but the person next to you can have one slip up, and that's it. That's that's the end for you, for them, and the guy behind you. Yeah. We're from a family of truck drivers, like you heard, and never cut off a semi truck. Oh yeah. Ever. <laughs> you will lose. You. If you need to get off on your exit, okay. There's a. I think there's a good. Um, John Mulaney sketch when he talks about this. Just get off on the next exit. <laughs> Don't have to get off on that one. Get off on the next and turn around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Slow down and get behind them. Yes. Yeah, how heavy are those big rigs? Eighty thousand. Eighty thousand pounds, and they do not stop on a dime. <laughs> no. Okay. They. If you cut them off and then you stop immediately, <laughs> you're dead. You're gonna be in a Coca-Cola can like Jose was. Yeah, and then your lesbian girlfriend will break up with you. 
Mm-hmm. It all happens. Yeah. What, about, what about you? I would say, you know, it's uh, the way that I always felt about it is that, you know, there are two things. Number one, you've got to take responsibility not only for yourself, but for every ass and yeah. idiot on the road. So, so if, if you're going to be a really a responsible man, because, you know, I was a faithful husband and I was a very devoted father. And so, you know, every day that I go to work, I know that I need to go to work do what I need to do, and then come home. Yeah. And so, uh, and that's, you know, so in order to go to work, uh, do what I need to do, and come home, uh, like I say, I have to take responsibility for all of my actions. Yeah. And then I have to essentially be like a father to every other ass on the road, uh, I have to, you know, if he's going to be an idiot, I'm going to slow down and give him more space because right. I don't want to be involved with him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, be responsible. Be, and, and, you know, the long version of, the long view version of, of responsibility. What is my life, you know, what is my life about and what do I want to be in my life today? Exactly. I think so. That's my advice: is just follow the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated, right? Because I think everyone's in a hurry. Everyone's impatient. Everyone has their own destination, and their destination is way more important than yours. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? They got to go to Taco Bell, and they don't want to wait too long on the drive-through. So you need to get out of the way, right? And so everyone is just so impatient and discourteous. If everyone just slow the roll, be like, you know what, I can wait five seconds rather than risking, you know, the threat of death for myself or for you. Mm-hmm. Well, then, it, and it leads to, of course, it leads to, I guess it leads to forgiveness, you know? Sure. That guy in front of you is ass, and I don't have time for this. You got to let it go. And then one might ask, well, Father, how many times am I supposed to forget? Seven times? Yeah. Well, then, then of course, you might be given an, an outlandish answer like, no, I expect you to forgive seven times, 70 times. Yeah. And then you think, I can't do that. That's funny because I, I literally, I went to confession yesterday, and I literally confessed that, like, I'm, you know, with the same tongue, but I praise the Lord with that same tongue. I know, I'm yeah. Cursing these ass. On the road. Uh, and, you know, recently I had told my priest that, you know, with all, uh, I am capable of so much good. Yes. But at the same time, I am capable of, of, of at least as much bad. Exactly. That's the human condition. It is the human condition. And so it's, it's a matter of, and this is what, this is what, we have this new priest from Cameroon. Oh. From Africa. I think his father. Does he have a cool accent? He's a very cool. I always, whenever he does like his homilies, I always think he should end by saying "Wakanda forever." But he does not. Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I see he likes. Oh, I got a picture of Frankie with Father. We have Father Kang. From his father is from North Korea, from South Korea. South Korea, the good Korea. Yeah, one of the Koreas. <laughs> but he is really, and, and you know, when he was in high school before he got the calling, uh-huh. when he was in high school and college before he got the calling, he was like um, some sort of like a grappling wrestler. That's funny. And when he went to seminary, he was saying that you know he was. He was given the unofficial title of the grappling father or the, 
God, I'm, uh, no, I'll think of it later. The father of wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like the, 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 oh, the grappling chaplain. The grappling chaplain. Oh, funny. <laughs> but he was the chaplain at Angola Prison. Oh, oh. dude, man, he yeah, he has That's some hardcore. He has some gnarly stories about being a chaplain oh. at Angola. That's a hardcore place. But um, father said, like, remember that these each one of these people are made in the image of God, inherent of the dignity of man. And okay, thank you. I remember. Yeah, that. No, oh, yeah. Got off. The so why don't they treat me that? Exactly. It's not reciprocated. It's, it's not reciprocated. That's what's right. For reciprocation. But Even Donald Trump wants reciprocity. Reciprocity. Billions <laughs> of times. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's say. Um, let's bid farewell to my uncle Larry. Perhaps he'll come back for another episode. All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, so. That was an exciting discussion on uh, driving. My uncle tells great stories. But as we wrap up, we like to um, share one thing that we're watching or reading um, or listening to. So this week, what do you have for us, Jesse? Uh, So as of recently on Netflix, there's a new series. I may be super late to it, but I just recently discovered it myself. It's this show called Jailbirds, and it follows the – I wouldn't say the life, but it follows the – that these women spend their time in a correctional's facility in Sacramento. And it follows the tales of a few different women, the cases they're facing and the way that they have to deal with their jail time as they wait, uh, what is it, their, you know, the day they stand in front of the judge, their court date and all that good stuff. Yeah. And it's it's a pretty funny show. You know, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of storylines in there. And, and, you know, you kind of go all over the place. But at the end of the show, it, it's just super hilarious in some points. And it's just really funny. And, you know, there it's there's some scenes where you're like, man, I really want this person to succeed when they get out of jail. Like, I really want them to do good. Right. And then the next scene over, they are showing you why they're not a good person. Oh. So they have this one girl on there, and her name's Taylor. Uh-huh. Okay, she's super nice, super super friendly, and she's young. She's like nineteen, and she's like I said, super nice. And she's like a worker, which means like she gets extra uh, things to do, pretty much perks or perks. There you go. She gets extra perks because she helps clean up the jail while everyone is in their cells locked up. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're like, wow, you know, like what did she do to get in jail? You know, did she get smoke some weed or something like that? Yeah. No, she was um, involved in a triple murder. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was in a car with her friends, hanging out. Yeah. They go to this house. One of the guys who's going to go in there and rob the house needs a mask, so she takes her shirt off, uh-huh. gives it to him, uses it as a mask, uh-huh. goes in, kills the two people inside. Right. And then as one person is running out of the house, yeah. he kills them. They leave the scene, go back to their hotel, party up some more. Then they go to the breakfast bar, and uh-huh. they eat breakfast, and then they just go about their lives. Wait, did she get the shirt back? She put it back on? Yeah. Wow. Wasn't it, like, all dirty and whatnot from the murder? Who knows? And they were, you're just like, geez, dude, now I really don't want her to get out. Like, she was involved in a triple, you know, homicide. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy. She ends up only getting, like, seven years in prison mm-hmm. for that. And she had already served, I think, three of them mm-hmm. because she had been in jail for so long. I think it's one of those things where it's really hard for us as a society because 
we're so we're so keen on you know the punishment aspect. Don't do the crime if you can't serve the time. Don't do the crime if you can't do the right? time. Crime and punishment. Um, but I don't know. I feel like yes, people do horrible things, and that's just the state of the world. That's their fallen world that we live in. But I don't know. At the same time, like we just discussed earlier about customer service, these are regardless human beings, right? And mm-hmm. it's, I, I struggle with, I guess, reducing a person to the worst thing they've ever done. Because I'm sure, like, in the this sh- show, like you were saying, you see these people yeah. who are in jail, and you see all these wonderful things about the person, right? They're multifaceted. They're yes, complicated. Yes. And yet they're in jail for something horrible, right? So I think people are more than the worst thing they've ever done. But at the same time, they do deserve their punishment. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? But we shouldn't just say, well, they're criminals, lock them up, or just murder them, execute them, get rid- throw the key away, or what have you. But it's complicated. There's th- That's a whole other conversation. It is. Capital punishment. No. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. That's actually the first thing I've discussed on this podcast. Very first one, very first episode. Mm-hmm. One. I, on the other hand, to make it a little lighter, I watched, well, I should say, my wife and I binge-watched The Marvelous Miss Maisel. (laughs) OMG. It's on Amazon. We watched seasons one and two. It's about this housewife in 1958 who, on Yom Kippur, her husband, who has aspirations of being a comedian, leaves her. Oh. Leaves her. And leaves her with their two kids. She is just forlorn. She is scorned. She is just like, what do I do with my life now? And that night, she gets hammered. She's wasted. And she goes to the club where her husband had performed earlier. As one does. As one does. And drunkenly gives this beautiful stand-up routine. And the bar owner is played by Alex Borstein, who does the voice of Lois on Family Guy. Okay. She's also that one chick from Mad TV. Which chick? Which one? Miss Swan. Oh, yes. Yes, Look like a man, right? That one. Um, Anyway, she becomes her manager. And so the whole show is her trying to, on the download, develop a comedy shtick persona, while at the same time not letting her family and ex-husband know, not letting anyone know. And uh, it's, there's a lot of like Jewish humor, and I love okay. like, you know celebrating Rosh Hashanah, fasting. Um, her sister-in-law converted to Judaism, and so huh. you know she's very, I guess, uh, very religious in the sense that she she celebrates. She celebrates holidays that the normal Jewish people don't even acknowledge, basically. Okay. And so, Miss Maisel, right? Her name is um, Midge. She basically <laughs> draws from her real-life experiences for her stand-up routines. And then when her family does find out, they're like, especially her dad and her ex-husband, they're furious. Yeah. Because she's making jokes about, like, the size of their penises or, like, <laughs> pooping. Or yeah, yeah. The husband, Which is funny because nowadays... That's every comedian. Yes. Every comedian has to have stand-up bits about their lives. Whether they're a little fabricated in a way, but, you know, still. I mean, you look at people like Gabriel Iglesias, George Lopez, Joe Coy. All those people have different stories like that. But back then, it was kind of like, hey, my wife. Taboo. Not just that, but, I mean, the stand-up routines at the time were like, hey, take my wife, please. Like, it was these lame, like, one-line jokes, like Milton Berle. And that's when I said... That's not a tuba. That's my wife. Yeah. Right? These horrible jokes. And here comes Midge, right? Miss Maisel, this Jewish housewife, divorcee. She just delivers these brutal, profanity-laden, like, observational stream of consciousness 
um, stand-up routines and she just kills. And it's it's really good. It's hilarious. There's only two seasons. The third season is um, being filmed as we speak. It's it's a great show. Check it out. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You can do us a huge, enormous favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or iTunes. And be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find this show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers now. Cheers. 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 Mazrovia. Next year in Jerusalem. (laughs) 